And you know people left eye passes there and some of the other passes there. Yeah, I'm usually outnumbered. I'm always excited when I go to a restaurant and have passes there. So I'm excited to be here. It's been a couple of years since I've been at the Park Group, so it's really fun to be with you guys tonight. And I'm glad that you all made it out. So, let me tell you a little story about myself. When I was in fourth grade, there's this kid that lived across the street from me, and I didn't like him very much. His name was John. And John, uh, well, he was really smart, and he was smarter than me, and I think that might have contributed to my surprise. A little nerdy. You know, we had to play together some, do things together, but I don't know, I didn't like him. So one day, we were riding home from school on the bus, and John decided that he was going to get off the bus a stop earlier to go home with a friend, and he asked me if I would tell his sister, who was going to meet him at the bus stop, that he had gone home with his friend, and I said, sure. So he gets off the bus, and we go on to my usual bus stop, and I get off, and his sister Terry greets him, and um, Sue comes up to me and says, Terry, where's John? And I said, I don't know. I don't think he was on the bus. I told a bold-faced lie. I don't know why. I don't think it was premeditated. I don't remember sitting on a bus and thinking, when I see her, I'm going to tell a lie. But it is what came out of me when she asked me that question. So I walk on home. My another friend and I live across the street. Krista comes over. We're playing on the front porch, hanging out. And as we're on the front porch, I see the front door of John's house open. His mom comes out. She comes marching down the street to my house, and she goes in my house to talk to my mom. And I, you know, that feeling. I know the big enough, right? I'm going to be in big trouble. Sure enough, after a little while, my mom comes out to the front porch and invites my friend Krista to go home and invites me to come inside. And uh, my mom says, Terry, what's going on? Why would you tell John's sister this when you knew it wasn't true? And I, now I'm caught, you know, so now I'm, I'm all upset. And I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, that was wrong. Wrong. Should not have done that. So I get punished. I go to, I'm sent to my room. I think I was grounded for any number of days or maybe a week. So I'm in my room where all of a sudden, if I am undone, I begin to realize I am caught. No longer can I face being the goody two shoes that I've managed to make everyone believe, or at least in my mind, I thought I made everyone believe that I was, right? So now I'm beginning to fall at the thought that I've been so exposed, so caught. And you know how when you cry really hard, you begin to get the stuff back in your throat? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so my mom comes in the room, she sees what's going on, she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm not going to know what I'm doing. I'm not going to talk about any more no one will ever believe me again. I don't want to go to school. I felt an incredible thing. I've been exposed. My mom, my pre-mom, in her infinite wisdom, 
I'll never forget that was probably as long as I live, especially since I tell it to people talk. But my mom got down on her knees in front of me, took me by the arm, and said, Carrie, what you did was wrong. But there is nothing that you can do that will ever make me not love you. And of course, that was the last time that I ever did anything wrong in fourth grade, right? <laughs> no, my husband said that I didn't do that, right? <laughs> We're like, yesterday! <laughs> As I'm telling this story, I imagine that you might be thinking about something that you did in the first or in junior high, or in high school, or last year, or last month, or last week, or last night, that you're not so proud of. Lies that you told, gossip that you spread, words that you said that you can't say back that have wounded other people. Have you cheated on a boyfriend or girlfriend or random person that you slept with knowing about what they got stuff for you? I wasn't what you were designed for. The party that you got drunk at, again, knowing about what the best thing for you. <coughs> These things start to come to mind when we start to talk about And you might be thinking, if people in this room knew that kind of stuff about me, I could never show my face here again. If Allison knew, or the PC knew, or the worship leaders knew, or Love and Peter knew, they would kick me out of this community in a heartbeat. And so you kept it in. Because we all fear being exposed. We all fear what would others think about. And even more so, I think there are times when you wonder, you want Jesus. What does he think of all this crap? Of all this junk in my life? Of all this stuff that I've done that I want to hide and I don't want to tell anybody about? Have I done the things that might make him say that's it and set up? Don't worry, don't come back. Fortunately for us, we just dealt with a lot of people like us. There's a true story in scripture where Jesus interacts with a woman whose sin has been exposed in a very public way. And I wanted to look tonight at how Jesus deals with her and with her Jesus. The passage was read earlier, but I'm going to read it for you again. And as I read it, I want you to listen sort of with your heart, you know, and with your emotions. Imagine what it would feel like to be this woman. Imagine what it would feel like to be a Pharisee, to be in the crowd, to be Jesus. So as I read, just sort of picture the scene and imagine the emotions that are going on in the various folks that are involved. Jesus went across to Mount Olive. But he was sitting back in the temple again, swarms of people came to him. He sat down and talked. The religion scholars and Pharisees led in a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They stood her in plain sight of everyone 
and said, Teacher, this woman was caught red-handed in the act of adultery. Moses, in the law, gives orders to send such person. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him and say something was said to him. They didn't encourage him to say something. And Jesus bent down and he rose his finger in the dirt. He kept at him, battering him. He straightened up and said, The sinless of the Go first. Throw the And then he down again, he wrote some more in the dirt. And hearing that, they walked away, one after another, beginning with the oldest. The woman was left alone. Jesus stood up and spoke to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? No one can Neither do I. Go on your way, and from now on, do not Amazing things are happening in this world. Amazing things. Imagine what this woman felt like as she was dragged before the street. Her sin, the sin of adultery exposed. She's guilty and she knows it. And so, by the way, that the guy that she's committing adultery with, that he's nowhere to be It's just her. She's facing the punishment alone. And in fact, the punishment is death. For both parties involved. So then it's just her that gets dragged before the truth. What does she feel like? I can't even imagine the shame that she must have felt when she stood there with all those folks. Maybe all those folks just missing to pick up those steps and throw them. I can't imagine the fear. The anticipation of what it would feel like to be The helplessness, the hopelessness of knowing that this group of people wants to take my life. Then an amazing thing happened. Jesus turned and deals with her as Jesus. With her Jesus. He looks at them and and as he, there's some evidence, actually, as he's writing the sand. There's a little bit of evidence in the Greek that maybe he's writing the words of the Pharisees' sin. But I don't think anyone really knows for sure what he was writing. But nonetheless, when he says to her accusers, hey, if you're sinless, you have the first stone, they at least are wise enough to know. You can't claim to be sinless. And so they begin to walk away. Even in that, of God's love for this woman, that the first thing he does is to take care of the people who are And now what does she do? Now what does she do? She just a tiny measure of certainly of relief, but of hope. Hold on to her. What I thought was going to happen, it's not happening. Maybe there's still a small measure of fear, but Jesus is still there. And certainly, he's qualified to grow this in if he wants to. What's going to happen? What's he now going to say to me? 
when we look ourselves in the face, rather than that by being that by accusation, by stones ready to be thrown at us, turn out by love and by grace. Jesus is there to say, I knew it. I get it. I'm ready to carry this. And therefore, we hear you out. Jesus is what's really real about us. He sees all the crap. And then he sees through the crap to the end of the job of the Lord. He's not what you want him to be, not the act that you've got to put on for other people, not the way that we try to make ourselves look good for each other. He knows both the heart of the woman, the heart of the Pharisee, and your heart. And Jesus calls a state of faith. He does not pretend that, that he's not been caught in the act of adultery. He does not pretend that sin didn't happen, right? He deals with it. Which is pretty contrary to the way the world wants us to deal with sin these days, right? Generally, what we hear is, you know, everybody has to call a little white lie every now and then. I mean, was it really that big of a deal that I lied to my friends and sister? I mean, doesn't everybody do that every now and then? Doesn't everybody kind of keep around these days? Doesn't everybody go out and get a little drunk or overserved as one of my friends like to say every now and then? Doesn't everybody sometimes say things that aren't that nice to people that they wish they had to know? But you know, everybody does that. So, it's not that big of a deal, right? You don't know what Jesus says at all. It's a really big deal. It's just that, God, Jesus, come on, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And when I do that, when I take care of it for you, and you are free to live in your life. Jesus offers grace and forgiveness. And his forgiveness is based on his righteousness. The fact that he suffered the punishment that we should Jesus sets us free to live in your life. Grace and forgiveness always give us the chance to start again. To go and sing in our hearts. There's a ton of hope and a ton of talk. Okay, so what does this mean for you? Well, I think you can be like the Pharisee or like the woman in this story. Because you see everybody on this place. Nobody wants to hide from Jesus. The Pharisees, when their sin was exposed, they walked away. They walked away. So they had some strategies that they thought would work. They figured, we keep the law, we behave really well, we're covered. That was their strategy. They didn't need Jesus to do those things. So they walked away. Maybe you have some strategies similar to the Pharisees. You know, like, it's kind of neat to my roommate yesterday, so, Today I'll be extra nice to everybody that I know. Or, I really probably shouldn't have cheated on that exam. So, I'll read my Bible a little longer today. You know, don't be sure to do that or I didn't spend very much time with Jesus yesterday, so I'll have a makeup time today. Isn't that how we sort of operate? 
create these systems and strategies for how we're going to clean ourselves up, how we're going to make it look right, and you know, they look good. Nobody's going to tell you that you should be nice to people, right? Nobody can tell you that you should read your Bible, you want to read your Bible, or go to church, or show up here at InterVarsity, or go to your small group. Those are all great things. But not if you're trying to earn something. It doesn't work if all that stuff is just to earn something. If all that stuff is just to make you look good, make you feel better about yourself, make everybody interact with you the way you want them. And eventually, the strategy for the holidays that they have. So I want to challenge you, if your response to this, if you're, in your heart this resonates with you, and you think, you know, I like it there. I think that's a strategy like that. When I mess up, rather than coming to Jesus, I just sort of try to clean it up myself. I want to challenge you to let yourself be a Jesus. To let go of those strategies. The and the other choice that you have is to be like a worker behind that. Nothing to offer, no excuse to make. You just had to sit in the sand, expose the poor Jesus, and trust that he's not going to be forgiven. Trust that she is forgiven, and that there's nothing that she can do. And then she had her response and invitation to go and spend no more. So that also meant that she had to trust that whatever she was gaining through adultery, and probably her adultery in this context and culture meant that she had food to eat, shelter that was provided by her lovers. So she had to walk away from those things too. Because sometimes, you know, there's some things that are in business that we kind of like. They kind of work for us. But if she was going to leave her life again, she was going to have to leave those things. She was going to have to leave that something that Jesus was taking care of. But somehow, what he was offering was better than what she had now. And at the end of the story, we're actually not told what the woman does. I wish we were. I wish I knew. Did she leave her life again? Did she walk away to something new? I, we don't know. We're just left with it in the that she was given to the And it's the same as it is that Jesus gives you. Every time you're exposed to your sin, he says, Come, come to me. I want to deal with it. I have to break and forgive you. I want to this invitation is to quit hiding, quit playing the game. Quit trying to pretend that you're somebody you're not. To them and to each other. To let him do it. Confess your junk to him and friends. Confess it to each other. Let him look you in the eye and tell you that he loves you. And then you can look one another in the eye. Keep that truth to one another. And I gotta tell you, that if you guys start living this way, if you start really moving away from your shame, away from your ugliness, away from your sin for the Lord, and then you begin to interact that way with each other, this community 
of what constitutes completely transformed by the grace of Christ, right? People are going to start to go, what the heck is up with those people in that weird group called university? They seem to be able to be unbelievably real with each other. They seem to be able to kind of let it all hang out and yet one will have a really well. What is going on with that? Please help me be a part of that. I want to get in on that deal. As you are transformed by the love of Christ, your community begins to be transformed, and then you begin to transform your campus and your city and the world. When Jesus offers you his grace and his forgiveness, and you receive it, you step into that, you live like it's true, you're changed. You're changed. I was struck by the, um, one of the lines in the song that we just Dancing generation was one of my first time. I like it. I've heard that one before. But the overflow of a forgiven soul is that our hearts cannot get it out of I pray that that would be true. That that would characterize this That as your soul, as you know that your soul is forgiven, that would overflow into how you interact with one another, as well as you know, love your friends, your roommates, your suffering, your classmates, whoever. If you're here tonight and you know that you have a tendency to sort of want to clean yourself up on your own, I want to invite you tonight to take a step and say, Lord, I just want you to do that. Would you help me to let go of my strategy for cleaning myself up? Would you help me to let go of my shame of the things that keep me in hiding? Would you help me to accept, to believe and accept that you really do offer me your love? If you're here tonight and you're like, I don't know if I buy any of this. I don't know if I believe in this Jesus guy. I don't know if I can him. That's great. While you're here. And my counsel to you tonight would just be to keep asking the question, who is What did it really mean? When he talked about grace and forgiveness. What does he mean when he says that he took the punishment of the world for I just want to challenge you to keep asking those questions. So come back next week and know what next week's speaker has to say. Just keep asking about who Jesus is. Now, if you're here tonight and you know you've been hiding, you've never really asked Jesus. You know that you're full of crap and full of junk, and you want to receive his invitation of forgiveness and love. I just want to encourage you to tell somebody. Tell a friend that came with, come talk to me, talk to each other tonight. But to take that step, to believe that what Jesus had to offer this morning, he has to offer you as well. He knows who you are, he knows all your junk. Has to offer to you the relationship with you in the eye, so you can be sure you are and I know I'm going to
when God is in you, that it's safe to know. Do you have to respond to your words? Thank you, Lord, for this amazing spirit your love for us. It offers great forgiveness. Pray for each person in this night to receive from you what you have to offer. And Lord God, I pray that this group of people, this community of people, they begin to receive this love and forgiveness that you offer. That they begin to move away from their sin and into your business. I pray Lord, that it would change how they interact with one another, with their roommates, with their friends, with their parents. Pray that it would transform them. And then as we do that among them, Lord, you would then send them out to the snippets, to the city, wherever else you might have them. So it would be different for some of this community. Thank you for being here tonight. We offer ourselves to you. Thank you, guys.